Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. That is such a great saying. Yes. <laughs> and it is so damn true. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Do you think there's any lawyers in Oklahoma? Uh, probably are. Uh, I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to France on the other side of the table there. In uh, Los Angeles, it is our good friend Todd Roberts. Howdy. I am well, gentlemen. Hello. And it is a beautiful day here in Los Angeles. Excellent. And on the phone with us from Claremore, Oklahoma, is Jason Schubert. He's the curator of the J.M. Davis Arms and Historical Museum. And I'll tell you what, uh, when I did the thing on Facebook and and posted it on Facebook, uh, one of our uh, Facebook friends replied that he'd been there, and he says it is incredible. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and I've been there. Yeah, well, I definitely and I've been there, and I discovered it. <laughs> well, no, I I, st- I I still haven't been to that bar where they give you the bourbon for free. Yeah, I'm still but looking for that. Beyond too. that, yeah, that's a uh, myth. and the free and, and the free jerky and and bacon. That's a myth. They just say that's on your ground. Yeah. That's right. See, I knew it, Bunker. I knew you'd give me the answer if I waited long enough. All right. Do we have some housekeeping? Uh, yes, we do. I have a couple of things here from the Cookhouse, Cowboy Cookhouse calendar. Going back to last Friday, uh, that was the anniversary of, of uh, Joel and Francis McRae. Uh, they're gone, but their memory's still there, and their ranch is a great place to visit out in California. Also on that Friday and born in 1958 is Viggo Mortensen, did a couple of good cowboy movies. And this is one near and dear to my heart, born in 1900, I, Stanford Jolly. Hey! What a guy, what a character. No kidding, man. He, he did so many westerns and other uh, uh, serials. Uh, it, it, it took place in the 30s in gangster type of roles. He also was a judge. Uh, with Morris, not at the same time, but was also a judge on uh, Perry Mason along with Morris uh, Ancrum. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, just... Did you know that he was in Night of the Lepus? I did not. Did you? He was in it. And you were in it. Yeah, we didn't work together. And his son was the set designer, Stan Jolly. Cool. I I met him. Yeah. Oh man, a favorite favorite B actor of mine. Man. I'll yeah, tell you what. Awesome, All right, awesome. that's it. That's everything from the calendar. Okie dokie. Uh, <clears throat> big time uh, for those of you listening live. Big time events happening out at the Mescal movie set today and tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is probably going to be your best time to get out there. Uh, they got a Civil War demonstration. The Texas artillery will be shooting off their uh, Browns mountain mountain howitzer, and uh, that'll be a, a, a fun time for all. Also, we have one more thing coming up here. This is on the 4th and 5th of November. It's the Empire Ranch Cowboy Festival. It runs from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day. Fun for the entire family. They ask for you to join them down there. Located off of Scenic Highway 83 on Empire Ranch Road, just outside of Sonoida, Arizona. There will be Western music and entertainment. History and culture demonstrations, ranch life exhibits, 45-minute trail rides. They may all be booked up, but if you're interested, uh, just uh, go look up Empire Ranch Foundation, uh, org, and they might be able to help you. There's kids' activities and stuff, skilled artisans and speakers. 
silent auction and food, ATMs available. There'll be food trucks. I'll be doing, uh, with Marty and Gene Freeze, be doing a Cowboy Conversations where we talk about the movies mm-hmm. before and behind the camera that mm-hmm. were shot down on the Empire Ranch or, mm-hmm. or that area. All right. Jason Schubert, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, Appreciate that, it. No, thanks for spending time with us, man. It, uh, guns is a favorite topic of ours. <laughs> We we love. Well, guns. I'm in the right place. Then. I reckon so. We 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 love our guns. Um, but <laughs> you, we should be, we should be yeah. cleaning guns while we're doing. I know it. we should, but you've got a buttload more guns. Yeah, we guns. should be cleaning guns. And by the way, our motto about guns, Jason, is we love them all and we can't have enough. There you go. There you go. Uh, great, I thought great it, great if motto. it ain't loaded, I am. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, 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 the well, point... especially on Sunday morning. Yeah. <clears throat> the point being, uh, we love uh, firearms, and they're, they're, they're very important to uh, society our uh, and our freedoms. Uh, you know, I mean, that Second Amendment uh, isn't there for... Uh, it's there for to show. protect all the other... All yeah. the other yeah. Now, um, question before we get into the meat of the, the, of the matter here... Uh, Jason, uh, mm-hmm. do you have a particular firearm that you like to strap on every day when you go to work, or do, do you not do that, or, or what? Well, um, I, I do carry, and uh, well, it's it's kind of it's kind of a strange thing. Uh, Oklahoma, great carry state, uh, but one of the laws is you can't carry in a state building. Okay, and our yeah, yeah, it's just natural. And we are a state agency, is the oh. reality. So, you know, nice. we're the largest privately held gun collection and uh, can't legally carry a firearm in it. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of odd. And it's but one Jason, of those... are you guys, do you answer to somebody in the state? Uh, yes, we, uh, well, uh, let me explain. Uh, we... Uh, most museums will have like a governing board, you know, because they're a nonprofit right. organization. Uh, being a state agency, we have a five-member commission, and uh, the commission meets regularly. And uh, they're, you know, they're kind of like our board of directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and we we are an appropriated agency, so uh, here. Here in about a month or so, I'm going to have to make the trek down to Oklahoma City and ask for uh for next year's appropriation and mm-hmm. and uh tell them tell them what i've done with the money so far and uh usually it's uh it's it is a is a neat thing because we do get we we try to get some get permission uh from the capitol police and say hey can we bring show and tell mm-hmm. and show and tell from the jm davis museum <laughs> is a firearm yeah. and so uh you know, so we like to we like to take things like uh, oh uh, M3 grease guns, and, you know, mm. yeah, mm. Dan Wesson revolvers, oh. you oh. know, fun stuff. Mm. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I have I have a Dan Wesson uh, 357, yeah. and I love it, man. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful machine. Yes, beautiful. It I've is. got one too personally. I love it. Yep. Well, I've got a Smith and Wesson grip on my 4440, but it's a Colt. Okay. Well, (laughs) let's talk. Let's talk some history on on how Mr. Davis uh, came about to uh, start this museum. And uh, I mean, we can read about it on Wikipedia, but I'd rather you tell Mm -hmm. us about it. Okay. Well, thank you. 
Uh, it all goes back uh, to uh, young John Monroe Davis. Uh, he uh, was raised in Arkansas, uh, born in the in the eighteen nineties, and uh, he had been been real sick as a child. A lot of illnesses in and out of the hospital, and. Uh, um, had to take a whole lot of medicine and you know back then they didn't have all the flavors like they do now and it was just yucky medicine flavor yeah, yeah. so uh, he he refused to take it he got tired of it and the doctor basically told his parents look this uh, if he doesn't take it th- th- your son's gonna die mm. and so uh, his uh, parents did what any good parents would do and uh, in such a situation they resorted to bribery <laughs> and uh they said, all right, wow. well, we know, <laughs> yeah, uh, we know there's this gun you've been wanting. If you take your medicine and get better, we'll, uh, we'll buy you this gun. Mm-hmm. So uh, Monroe, as they called him, he took his medicine, got better, and his parents came through on the deal. And what they bought him was uh, uh, a small muzzle-loading shotgun mm. and uh, about a... 40, 41 caliber, so essentially a muzzle-loading 410. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of antiquated even at that time, but you could still buy uh, powder and shot and, and uh, percussion caps, mm-hmm. and boy, he went to town. He that did was, odd jobs to, to make money for all of that. That was 1895, and, uh, right? Uh, 95, 97, right around in there, yes, mm-hmm. sir. And uh, so... He, uh, his parents had no idea what they had just started. <laughs> they, oh had, they had just started what would become the largest privately held collection of firearms in the world. Uh, and uh, so, as he grew up, uh, uh, he had a, had some guns. He was buying and stuff. And and uh, uh, he, uh, about 1916, he got uh, he was a, a bookkeeper had some had that kind of training and he and his wife they uh, started heading toward Tulsa from uh, uh, central Arkansas and uh, try to get in on some of the businesses around all the oil boom going on and um, they got as far as Claremore uh, the speeds weren't as fast back then the roads weren't as good and mm-hmm. so you couldn't travel so as far as we can today mm-hmm. uh, but they got as far as the Mason Hotel in Claremore and uh, he got to talking with the managers and realized that this was a good business <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he wound up buying the place he sold some timber land that he had in Arkansas bought it and moved in, moved to Claremore, and at that time he had about a hundred guns. Mm-hmm. And so he thought, well, I'll just hang them up in the hotel. There you of go. course, Mrs. Davis was probably very happy with that too. <laughs> and, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. And well, she so had the artistic the eye. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, well, she had her collection too. She liked the uh, she liked uh, beer steins and art and stuff, and, okay. and Addie. Davis, she was an artist herself, and we've got one of her paintings in the museum. Okay. Uh, but, you know, people started stopping at this museum and seeing the, the collection up on the walls, and, uh, and so J.M. started buying stuff. He started trading with people, and uh, in the late 20s, he, he bought three large collections, and it boosted his number up to about 2,500. Mm. And that was kind of the critical mass 
then everybody starts talking about this museum hmm. in Claremore, Oklahoma. And then, of course, we get to 1926, Route 66 opens, and it is right on Route 66. Hmm. So um, people are traveling. Uh, Davis is, you know, he's doing great business in in hotel, and uh, there's a coffee shop and a, a restaurant there in the hotel, so he's doing business there. And of course, he's buying, selling, and trading guns constantly. And he also he would take uh, some things in trade for a night stay in the hotel hmm. or a meal. Mm-hmm. And so the collection just really started booming. And uh, also, uh, Davis, he uh, he loved Claremore very much. And uh, he uh, became our mayor. And even to this day, he's our longest-serving mayor. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff, you know, loved the place. And so uh, he started building rent houses in town because there weren't many at that time. And then, of course, uh, the Depression comes and folks don't have cash money. And so instead of kicking another family out and sending them to California to pick uh, beaches, he decided, <laughs> I'll just take something and trade. And they would. They traded him for things, guns, beer steins, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, for another month's rent in in their rent house, and uh, so the collection just it exploded. In fact, his he was doing so much business that uh, that Mrs. Davis kind of had to limit him. Uh, we've heard the the uh, figure that she limited him to about three thousand dollars a month, mm. and think about three thousand dollars a month in the depression yeah uh that's yeah a lot of numbers a lot of money absolutely and then uh probably a third of that he would trade away again and Hmm. so he was always moving stuff and um as he got older he realized that uh this collection of his was a little bit more immortal than he was and uh he didn't have any children uh his first wife passed away he remarried and you know, again, no children. He had uh, his siblings, and then siblings of his both of his uh, wives. They had children, so there were lateral descendants. Uh, but uh, he didn't have anyone to pass it on, and he certainly didn't want the collection broken up because it was a great tourism draw sure. to Claremore. Yeah. the you know the town he loved. Yeah. You might mention and, that it was uh, on Highway 66, which he did. That made it a double. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. But that's, yep. that's yep. a major, Absolutely. major thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, there were, you know, it was right there on 66. There was, a, at one point, there was a bus station in one of the storefronts in, on the first store first story of the hotel and so it was a booming place right in the center of town hmm. and uh, so uh, JM uh, started a nonprofit foundation uh, and he gave his collection to the foundation of course he was the first president mm-hmm. and in that he uh, made a deal with the state of Oklahoma and to lease his collection to the state for 99 years Mm-hmm. And uh, at our state senator at that time, he uh, took the deal to uh, to Oklahoma City to the Capitol, and they worked the deal out. And it was uh, it was one of those uh, 
good old deal, good old boy deals at first, you know, settled over a over a slice of chocolate cake at the senator's house outside, of, uh, just a little bit north of Claremore. And, nice. And uh, yeah, it was beautiful. They got the legislation passed, and so the uh, the state leased the collection from the J.M. Davis Foundation for ninety nine years for the grand sum of one dollar. Wow. And uh, and. So uh, mm, at, at that point, yeah, yeah, great investment. In fact, we still have the check. It's it's nice. on exhibit no, <laughs> in the <yeah>. museum. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And um, so the the initial, the very first commission, they uh, appointed by the governor and, and uh, uh, approved by the Senate. They started uh, buying uh, land, bought the the city block, and and. Uh, built the building that we're in now and we've been open for about 54 years now excellent the website is thegunmuseum.com thegunmuseum.com that's all one word there and uh, uh, when you go to it um, you'll see bunches of pictures there of the original hotel lobby where uh, Davis is is, uh, displaying the firearms and it, it is art did, did Mrs. Davis set it up that way? <laughs> they um, in the rooms. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, I mean, down the hallways, in the rooms, uh, it was just everywhere. Well, no, I mean, the, 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 the ways the firearms are displayed, I mean, it, it definitely... Yeah, it's a whole wall, but it definitely looks like um, it, it's the art. Spiral, yeah. yeah, the spirals mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, then, and that was my question. Did Mrs. Davis... Design that because she was an art, the artist. Uh, I would assume so. Okay. Uh, don't know for sure, but it's it's a natural, it, right. it, it's a, a natural occurrence. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our first commercial break. Do uh, we Jay- have to? We do. Jason oh. Schubert is our guest, and uh, he is with the Davis Arms and Historical Museum, J.M. Davis Arms and Historical Museum, in Claremore, Oklahoma. Again, the website is thegunmuseum.com. Check it out on the web, then go visit it and be enthralled. <laughs> we'll get you, be right get back. your clicks on 66. There you go. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. 
Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. We all make promises, big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you're in need. To be considerate and caring. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. You out there, come one step near and old best here will spit right in your eye. Hi, Kate. Take it easy, it's me. That'll teach you to talk back to a lady. And the next time you come pestering around here, remember, Ann Oakley and me went to the same finishing school. This is the Voices of the West. Now Dan was born at an early age in good old New York town. He learned to ride the wildest bronco of them all on the merry-go-round. Six-gun Dan was an old cowhand, the wild and rough galoot. His finger was quicker than your eye could flicker when he started in to shoot. We are back on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts with you. Our guest, Jason Schubert of the uh, J.M. Davis Arms and Historical Museum in Claremore, Oklahoma. And David and, Layton is joining and, us. And our, our, uh, the silent David our, uh, The silent David Layton is with us. Uh, freelance journalist and uh, uh, Jason you might imagine that uh, because it's guns man that's what the music and bumps are all about today <laughs> yeah I love it it's great I know there's a guy a friend of mine I have the song I, I should find it uh, cows with guns uh, it's a guy from <laughs> New Zealand or Australia who did the song and the the, the video is hilarious um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's the cows. The cows decide they're going to revolt, and they got guns. <laughs> anyway. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, for never sure. arm a cow. Never, 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 never. <laughs> All right. Never what? teach your wife to shoot. Yeah. Well, you know, I I taught I uh, when I got my Dan Wesson 357, went out to uh, the desert with my niece, and uh, she took one of her um, toy guns out there. And uh, uh, we're, we're firing away, and I asked my wife, you want to shoot this? And she says, well, okay. And so I showed her the proper stance and whatnot. She uh, pulls the hammer back, and she lets go uh, the shot. The gun went up because of the recoil, and uh, she, bla- she missed the target entirely, but she, mit- she, she blasted a butterfly, uh, and I tell you, at 20 yards, a butterfly, that that looked like a SAM missile hitting a uh, Cessna. You know, I mean, geez, Louise. And, and my niece saw it, too. So, you know, hey, she can shoot a butterfly, but you can't hit the damn target. Uh, Jason, I just want, I want to tell you a little bit about Harry here because he's pretty modest. He's got a, he shoots black powder. He's got a couple of cannons. Uh, and he's he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do Civil War reenacting and pirate reenacting. And yes, uh-huh. I, 
I probably could be committed in a number of states. <laughs> I am a true threat to democracy, I'll tell you that. You're a defender of Especially when you're on a train drinking bourbon with someone who's totally irresponsible, even more so than you are. Oh, and that Talk would be you, Tom. wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Todd's the only guy I know in the world who puts a dagger between his teeth and then drinks. What is you obviously, Jason, have a bunch of uh, uh, normal, but I'm I'm sure there are some very unusual caliber weapons uh, in that collection. What is the most unusual caliber that you've got? Well, probably the uh, Austrian Colibri. It is a is it 3.7 millimeter semi-automatic. Uh, from the 19 teens and yes it is a functioning uh, semi-automatic center fire cartridge wow. that the the diameter is basically a pencil lead yeah you know that's that's your diameter wow. and uh, yeah it's a craziest thing you know you, you look at it and you think hey it's just you know just for for show uh-huh. uh, and uh, it's but it actually functions and cool. uh, there weren't a whole lot of them made but it really was uh, intended to be a self-defense uh, handgun and you know we we look through the lens of post dirty Harry. Yeah. And so, you know, and then of course we also have the, the lens of the American cowboy where, you know, if it doesn't, if the caliber doesn't start with a four, it's nothing. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then with dirty Harry, you know, once that movie came out, all the, all the, all the movie watchers started, started buying out the, the model 29s yeah, and, the, yeah. and the, the big bore shooters, like, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the 44 the guys, cannons. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they were furious because they couldn't get them anymore. Yeah. But, uh, but this thing was intended as a, as a self-defense uh, firearm, and I've heard, and I don't have the, the documentation on it, so, you know, I, I put that caveat on, caveat mm-hmm. on there. But I'd heard that at one time there was uh, a situation in, a, in Europe, maybe in England, where there were some deaths occurring, mm-hmm. and nobody could figure out how the person had expired. <laughs> And there was no obvious sign. Uh-huh. And after several of these, finally a, a doctor, a medical examiner, uh, noticed a little bit of fluid running out of the ear hmm. of the victim. And he looked in there, and there was the tiniest little hole. And so he goes in and, you know, autopsies the in the skull, and sure enough, there's a uh, bullet. <laughs> a projectile from one of these colibris, wow. and uh, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'll do its damage, but uh, sure. you gotta you gotta get real close. What's, what's the <laughs> so oldest? Jason, have... go ahead, Todd. Well, I was just gonna say. So, Jason, you just explained where my brains went. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were sitting on it. <laughs> So what's the uh, oldest firearm that you have in the museum? 
Oh, I know that one. Our oldest one is a Chinese hand cannon from the ah. 1360s, 1370s. Nice. And it literally is a bronze tube mm-hmm. that's plugged up in the middle uh, about three quarters of the way down. Mm-hmm. And that last quarter is a socket for a, a stick, you know, like a, a long, long stick so you could hold the thing. Uh, it would have either been held up against the chest mm-hmm. or uh, the end of the stick would have been like at the at the base of your foot, kind of like holding a spear out yeah. outwards. Yeah. And, and then it has a touch hole and you have a have a, a wire getting hot in a in a brazier and and then you stick that hot wire into the touch hole and it fires and you know not very accurate but uh, it doesn't you know when, yeah when, when your side has a thousand of them and your enemy doesn't have any you I know, win I know I know especially when, in China with all the people it's hard not to miss somebody well when I did pirate reenacting we had uh, somebody who had a uh, hand cannon. And uh, uh-huh. he, basically, he manufactured that himself, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, he fired it, and he fell over <laughs> when he fired it. <laughs> I think he put too much charge in there. I'm not you know, sure. uh, I saw, I've come across a description of your museum, and I thought it was really cool. It was described as the greatest collection of working man's guns, uh, full of hardware store guns. And could you kind of tell us the story behind hardware store guns? Because oh, I yeah. think it's very important. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Right. <laughs> no, you really don't. Uh, but um, it, it was important. Uh, there was a, a time, you know, we didn't have Amazon, we didn't have Walmart. Uh, and uh, of course, there was a time when Walmart actually sold uh, uh, not just long arms, but handguns mm-hmm. as well. But uh, a lot of folks relied upon. Uh, mail order or and or um, hardware stores and uh, so they the hardware store they wanted to have anything that they that a home would need and you need a firearm most of the time it's a shotgun you know usually a 12 gauge maybe a 20 uh, but that really was and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna anger some of y'all here but I gotta say it the the shotgun really was the gun that won the West. Yeah. Because everybody had it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the homesteader had it. The mountain man used it for guard, guarding his stock at night. The, uh, the, uh, the wife on the prairie, she could, she could defend her home against uh, all kinds of varmints, four-legged and two-legged. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was there. And so uh, everybody needed one, and um, not everybody had the, had the money to buy a very fine imported English or mm-hmm. French uh, side-by-side. Sure. And so that's where the more of the inexpensive uh, Belgian-made or a lot of inexpensive American-made shotguns come into play and the hardware stores wanted to carry them and so it a lot of them wanted to have their own style their own label on it and uh and that's what they got there were a handful of companies uh back east that you could you know you could ride it ride them and say hey i want to buy a single barrel you know break action 12 gauge I want to pay two bucks a unit on it, 
and I want it to say Super Nitro King or Amazing <laughs> Hunter or uh-huh. what have you. And, uh, and you know, Crescent or Folsom, uh, they would go, uh, yeah, we can do that. And they would sell you a $2 shotgun and you'd sell it for five in your, in, in your, uh, uh, hardware store or in your catalog. Yeah, and, uh, so, there's a lot of those working man guns. You'll see names like American Hunter or Fox, and you know some of their. There's some real names in there occasionally that'll pop up, but it'll you know Super Nitro King. That's a good one for <laughs> for once we get into the smokeless days. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know there's all kinds of the, these names, and uh, and that's what they were. They were working man's guns, yeah, and some of the. You, you'll appreciate this then. I've got, it was given to me by my dad when I was a kid. It was a, a 22 high standard from Sears and Roebuck. There you go. Eight yep. shot. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, Sears and Roebuck, Montgomery Ward, they did that. And uh, they had the buying power that they could do a little bit more. And, and sometimes they'd put... Uh, folks' names on them. You know, you had the had the uh, J.C. Higgins. He was an executive there in J.C. Penney. And, uh, and then uh, Ted Williams. Ted Williams had his name on a bunch of, bunch of guns. Mm-hmm. And they were all standard models from uh, from those guys, from the, the major manufacturers, uh, you know, Mossberg or Remington or Winchester, uh, high standard, uh, you know. And so, and again, it was it was one of those where uh, J.C. Penney called him up and said, hey, we, you know, we want this, but we want Ed Williams' name or mm-hmm. J.C. Higgins written on it. So, yeah, and... Uh, very important. In fact, the the twenty two rifle that uh, that I grew up shooting is a J.C. Higgins single shot, <laughs> nice. uh, plunger pull, there you go. safest hey, gun you yeah, can start off for sure. Yeah, well, you know Kurt Russell is doing that today because he I don't know if he's still doing it, but he was doing hunts and mm-hmm. big big fancy hunts, and he would give out. Uh, Kurt Russell Russell rifles. Nice. All right, we got to do our our next commercial break. This hour is going by way too fast. (laughs) It's a high caliber hour. It is. It very much so. We're streaming to you live from the White Stallion Ranch. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts. It's Voices of the West. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Skeet Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000 square foot clubhouse, 200 full service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement, and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is, don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away, it'll just make it worse. 
Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. You can stand up and tell me a lie. With pleasure. You dirty When you call me that, smile. With a gun against my belly, I always smile. This is the Voices of the West. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you. Our guest is uh, Jason Schubert of the J.M. Davis Arms and Historical Museum. Um... And that drop that you heard was uh, the original, what, well, not the original. Just the Virginian, first sound. Uh, the first sound Virginian, uh, yeah. Uh, anywho, Trampas uh, meeting up with, forget who he met Harry up Cooper with. Cooper and Jack Holt. Yeah. Anywho, you need to. Uh, Jason. Brian Dunleavy. That, thank you. Um, no, you, that's right. You also yeah. have... Uh, you also have some prop guns in there, and one that is intriguing to me is the Buck Rogers disintegrating pistol. Oh, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yep, the old Buck Rogers disintegrator. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a cool gun. Uh, it's a toy, uh, of course, but it's not like any toy you see today. Of yeah, course, hey, why didn't you tell me you had that when I was getting divorced? <laughs> <laughs> No, that disintegrator. Jason, you're holding out on me. That bottle of bourbon is not as big as it was before. (laughs) Well, what's cool uh, about that disintegrator is it has it sparks. Yeah, yeah. It 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 has basically a uh, a cigarette lighter flint in it at the top, and uh, you pull the trigger, and it scrapes against it, and and it it sparks on the inside, and there's a little translucent uh, uh, box will film that you can see the sparks and so it looks like uh, looks like you're shooting at old Ming the Merciless there yeah. uh, oh, and it's yeah. actually, it was actually made by Daisy wow yeah yeah wow uh, you know yep. you've got Daisy. the you got the Colt 1877 Gatlin gun there that is such a mm-hmm. beautiful looking piece what can you tell us yep. about that rascal well um Unfortunately, Mr. Davis didn't write down a whole lot, but uh, we do have some photos, and uh, he had that thing in the lobby of his hotel. <laughs> nice. Walk in the door. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Was that yeah. to fend off certain guests who came in or guests who wanted to run out the back door? I think it was just to impress people because it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I want, I, want, I want to say something for a second here. Speaking of guests... The fella, there was a fellow had a hotel a couple of streets down from his place, a fellow named Will Rogers. Mm. But he used to come there with his family and eat in the coffee shop. Mm. Isn't that cool? Yes. I think that's way yep. cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Will, yeah, uh, when things got rolling in Claremore, of course, the funny thing about Will Rogers is he never lived in Claremore, Oklahoma. He was born in near Ulaga, which is right outside of Claremore. Ulaga Indian Territory mm-hmm. lived in Claremore Indian Territory, but he had kind of gone gone off on his uh, uh, 
worldwide exploring uh, by the time of statehood. But he'd come back, and of course, he still owned the property, uh, mm-hmm. his the ranch that his dad owned. And uh, but yeah, he'd bring his his family down to the uh, to the Mason Hotel and eat there, and you know, to kind of the well, you know, you got to see old Will when he's in town. The local <laughs> boy does does good, it's, you know. It's kind of nice. like when uh, when Garth Brooks used to have his, used to live just outside it, and he'd come into town and and eat eat at the Pizza Hut and mm-hmm. tip the waitress really well, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Will Junior lived just south of Tucson here, down in down in uh, Rio Rico. Rio Rico. And he used to come up uh-huh. all the time. You see him all the time. He'd come into the Hilton Hotel, have a couple of cocktails, mm-hmm. and drive on home. Talk about the uh, the Beerstein collection uh, that you guys have. Yeah, that's a that's it's kind of a neat collection. We've got uh, I want to say around twelve hundred uh, Steins, and they they are the, the typical you know Bavarian drinking and hunting scene Steins uh, that you that you you think of, and we also have there's also the the kind of the blue and gray ones, a lot of uh, clear glass, and uh, as I said, that was the first Mrs. Davis's collection, and uh, she really liked that and had it up all over the in the hotel as as well. Um, one thing that we like to to talk about you know, when I have school groups or other tour groups in is you look around and some of the Steins will have a pewter lid, mm-hmm. and some won't. Now, historically in Germany, they you had to have a lid on right. your Stein. Right. It was it goes back to the the days of the of the Black Death, the bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get the plague, you start coughing and sneezing and spitting stuff, and you know you don't want anybody spitting in your beer. No. You know, it sounds no. like my prom day, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, she you had know. a great smile, though. Great smile. Great <laughs> yeah. smile. But everything else, you're going straight downhill too fast. It's that missing front tooth. That's what it is. <laughs> miss, yeah, yeah. It just went right out there. Yeah. So, but so there, you know, if the Germany actually had laws about you had to have lids on on your beer steins. Hmm. And then come World War One. When uh, we were actually winning, Germany was running out of natural resources, so it became a national pride sort of thing to give up the lid on your beer stein for national defense. Interesting. You know, here in the U.S., we had scrap metal drives. The Boy Scouts were running yeah. running all these drives uh, all across the country, and every every other organization was. And in Germany, the big thing was the pewter in your stein lid so that was the big patriot patriotic thing to do in germany then and so they they used the metals in the uh there in the pewter the so, cousin yeah. needs your pewter lid send it in now <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yeah wow and you also yep. you also have uh, <clears throat> some cannon uh in the museum as well yep We've got a few cannon around, uh, some uh, some small swivel guns, uh, nice. uh, Asian uh, Lantaka type uh, cannons on you know kind of stuck in a stump sort of thing. Uh, we've got a model of a three inch Parrot gun, 
that's on a on a full uh, limber and caisson oh, and with the yeah the oh, you yeah. use that to shoot parrots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, you shoot shoot parrots out of it. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, <laughs> right. Right now, there's some Civil War artillery reenactors that are just fuming at us. Uh, no, if they have any sense of humor, they'll they'll be laughing about it. I mean. Parrot, Parrot, so. Parrot was one of the men yeah. who invented the rifling yeah. concept uh, for cannon, and those Parrot guns, uh, where I used to work uh, at State Park in Florida, we had uh, we had a 300-pound Parrot uh, wow. rifle there, and yeah, those things would lob a, a shell a good 10 miles. So Super German oh. 88 has many <laughs> rifling jobs. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, Jason, I have to, I don't want to try to cause a fight here. <laughs> please allow me to do so. Okay. Um, where, where, who has the best chicken fried steak there? Uh, <laughs> oh, I always heard it was in Eufaula. <laughs> I always heard it was in Eufaula. Uh, and, and, of course, my grandmother said, well, it's 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 it. This woman makes it, but I don't speak to her anymore. So you know, give us give us be honest with us now, Jason. Just try to try to be honest with uh, all of us who don't live in in the state of God's creation. It's a well, toss up, my I, grandma or my mom. Yeah, exactly. I haven't tried them all, but I'm awful partial to the ones at Hammett House here in Claremore. And uh, when you stop by at Hammett House, you also uh, you got to try their mile high pie. And of course, it's <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to stuff that pie in after all that big old uh, chicken fry. Uh, but you can you can do it if you put your mind to it, and, and don't worry about hurting the next morning. Uh, but that's that's the place to go when you're coming down Route 66. That's when you let the button go on the on your top button on yeah, your pants. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jason, you've been uh, at the J.M. Davis Arms and Historical Museum for quite a while. How the hell yep. did you get that job, and why can't I work for you? Ditto, ditto. Yeah, well, I've been here, um, it'll be 17 years in December, and uh, just loving it. Um, I've uh, always been interested in firearms and, uh, and always interested in history. I uh, grew up in South Texas. Um, my dad taught me to shoot, taught me to be safe, and uh, he also uh, was interested in history. Of course, he was a, uh, a plant physiologist, and so, you know, here's a scientist that was actually a good old West Texas boy, So, mm-hmm. uh, but he loved history. And so uh, listening to dad talk about things and then learning, learning to shoot from him and seeing his his guns that he had and doing some hunting uh out there uh in uh, south texas uh it was it uh it was just kind of a great uh mold and i was always in in, interested in history Uh, i was uh working on my bachelor's degree at texas tech in lubbock out in west texas Mm -hmm. uh sitting in a uh, plains indians history class and there was a fella fella in there who was taking it for graduate credit so i got to know him and uh he turned out he was the curator at the museum of texas tech university he's the history curator uh, a fellow named henry crawford and uh we got to talking we had a mutual interest in uh 
living history, fur trade, Santa Fe Trail history. Uh, I had I had done some uh, living history uh, working for the Boy Scouts at Philmont Scout Ranch, and we got to talking, and he told me about uh, Texas Tech's Museum Science Program. And uh, I was kind of at the point where I needed to figure out what I wanted to do with a history degree, <laughs> and I uh, wasn't sure if I could be a classroom uh, or teacher. I don't, I don't have those gifts. Uh, God bless the teachers. Uh, I, yeah. I would, I wouldn't do well there. But mm-hmm. I started thinking about artifacts and teaching with artifacts. So I mm. uh, went and got my bachelor's of. Uh, Museum Science there at Tech, uh, did an internship at Ben Sold Ford in uh, southeastern Colorado, great uh, fur trade and Santa Fe Trail uh, history site, uh, worked at a Texas History Museum uh, in Hillsboro, Texas, just south of Dallas-Fort Worth for a little while, and uh, found out that the director position at Philmont Scout Ranch was opening up, and uh, that's where I had worked many summers as a uh, during my college years and it was a great match lived out there for a while and uh and then got got word that uh the this huge gun museum in claremore oklahoma was opening up the hmm. curator position and uh, uh my wife grew up in edmund and uh, okay. so that got us got us a little closer to family and so i you know the my history, my museum uh, training, it was just a perfect perfect blend, perfect uh, storm and uh, the good Lord blessed us with uh, with getting the job and it's it's been a it's been a great ride. You should be writing books. Yeah, too. no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Have you written any? Uh, no, no books. I've uh, got an article or two out there. Uh, okay, but uh, that's about it. Where can I find some? Because I love this stuff and I like the I love oh, the history. Let's see. Uh, I think. Um, oh goodness, I, it's it's been several years. It was about the uh, the Calibri uh, uh, pistol. It was in one of the one of the handgun shooting magazines. Uh, but like I said, it's it's been so long. I had <laughs> forget which one, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's been fun. How I'll let you is, off the hook if you'll tell me about the Manville tear gas gun because I saw that thing and got a, I said I want one of those. <laughs> about the what? The Manville tear gas gun. Oh yes, that's I want a one. that's oh. a few. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to be careful which one you get because uh, one of them uh, has uh, has sleeves for that'll take a twelve gauge and uh, the feds don't like you having that one unless uh, they know it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's tell. a really yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a neat deal. It's oh gosh, I forget how many how many shots it is off the top of my rounds. head. It's like eighteen. 18. Thank you, wow. thank you. Eighteen rounds. Ours is a twenty-seven uh, millimeter, and it's it's basically a revolver that shoots bigger than shotgun shells. Uh, a tear gas. Flare smoke. Yeah. Riot gas. Yes. You know, All of everything. the above. Man, what, you could have so much fun with that. Yeah, it, multi-purpose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, how, how right. Big, it's the ultimate dining dash weapon. For sure, huh? <laughs> how big is Claremont? Or Claremore, rather. Claremore, we're, let's see, we're at about, uh, oh, goodness, I, I'm going to get in trouble with the, with the, 
no, convention we won't, we won't bureau tell. here. It's, <laughs> it's uh, I want to say about uh, seventeen, eighteen thousand. Oh, wow. uh, perfect. And, and yeah, it is great size. Uh, we're about half an hour northeast of Tulsa, uh, right on Old Route sixty six, and right near the the uh, the turnpike. So. Uh, Claremore's got it all, and if we don't have it, Tulsa's real close, mm-hmm. and uh, just it's just been just been really nice living here. All right, I'm we got to do our Sand Springs, so that's pretty country. Yeah, we got to do our final yeah. commercial oh, break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker Defense, Todd Robertson, Los Angeles. Our guest is uh, Jason Schubert. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management where we manage money for gun owners. When people turn 50, something miraculous happens. They start to get serious about retirement planning. They've done very well so far and want to be certain they power into the retirement they've earned. Let me guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. What did this fellow Mason do to cause all this trouble? He tried to clean up the town, but he didn't have enough in back of him when his bluff was called. In other words, he wasn't a big enough man to finish what he started. Old Colonel Colt makes them all the same size. If you know how to use him. This is the Voices of the West. Arizona! 
Francis Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Guest is uh, Jason Schubert of the J.M. Davis Arms and Historical Museum. There's a little catchy tune about Cochise, Arizona. I'm having too much fun. Oh, man. this Jason, man, we got to come visit you. Road trip. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> road, road trip. And you can road, buy the pick on pie. <laughs> yeah, definitely road trip. Road trip. So, Jason... Uh, where the museum started in the Mason Hotel, uh, is that still standing? No. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Davis spent more on uh, guns than he did on maintenance, and it was a it was a wooden structure. Uh, so no, it uh, it uh, it got torn down a, um, before my time, but I, it was in the late '80s, early '90s or so, and there's. Uh, uh, right now, there's a, uh, a CVS pharmacy in the, the spot where the hotel was, uh, but that's okay because uh, they let us put a put a, a picture of the old hotel and an ad for the museum there in the in the entryway to the to the pharmacy. So uh, so uh, folks know where to come after they're after they're done uh, trading there. Don't right, you well, have a reproduction okay. of the uh, lobby in there at the museum? Yes, we do. That's kind of our starter room. We've uh, recreated the, the lobby of the Mason Hotel. Uh, has the the original uh, uh, marble counter and uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, cash registers and the the mail slot, the cubby uh, holes there, uh, and uh, some of the stuff that. Uh, that was was in Mr. Davis's lobby, and uh, then of course uh, guns all over the walls uh, in the same pattern that Perfect. that uh, that JM had them. Perfect. And so uh, yeah, we got a little. Yeah. We're we're at the uh, spot now where it's time for shameless promotion. What's going on uh-huh. at, or coming up at the museum that we can uh, alert our listeners to? Well. Um, it's uh, we still got a little bit of time, but in February we have our uh, BB gun days, uh, where we have our inflatable BB gun range right there in the museum. Nice, and, and uh, the kids will come in and uh, have a shooting competition. Uh, adults, uh, we we uh, they get to buy buy their their uh, BB gun targets and a little bit of a fundraiser. Uh, nice. But uh, we. The, the winners for the two youth groups uh, and the winner of the adult uh, uh, category, they uh, they get a specially engraved Daisy Red Rider BB gun, oh, and man. so that's an event that we've been having for for several years, nice. and uh, we're going to have it again, and, and again that's in February. So keep an eye out uh, for us uh, uh, for that. It's on our website. We're also on Facebook. Look up. J.M. Davis Arms and Historical Museum, and uh, you'll you'll have some updates of things that are going on there. Uh, and uh, but we're we're open year round, and so if you're traveling down in our neck of the woods, coming down Route 66 or I-44, just stop on by and and tell us that you heard us on Voices of the West. There you go. We're going to add you to our uh, list of partners on our website. Uh, various folks who have impressed us beyond belief yes indeed <laughs> and uh, we love guns and so that's why it's going up there Jason Schubert thank you so much for Can I point out we have one more thing? question for Jason here oh, one more, more question quickly 
Harry, your question. Where's your question, Harry? Uh, For every guest. Every guest gets this question. All right. What's your favorite Western, Jason? Well, it's not a Western movie, but it's a miniseries. And okay. It's got to be Lonesome Dove. All right. All right. Ah. It is a classic. It belongs on Mount Olympus. It does. Yep. It does. I, I just yep. want to point out one and, thing before we leave. You also have Ralphie's Old Blue Red Rider pistol mm-hmm. uh, gun in your daisy BB collection gun. yeah BB gun. well now i'm going to tell you something that's gonna gonna shock people's world uh <laughs> that wasn't a red rider who was it no it was a buck jones the buck <laughs> jones was the one that had the that had the compass in the stock and the oh, and the sundial right. stamp oh yeah <laughs> well they and lied to us in the movie <laughs> Well, the, the author got it kind of wrong. He, uh, he called up Daisy and said, I've got this book. It's going to be a movie. And, uh, and uh, you, it's the, the, the Red Rider features in it. And, and, he said, and Daisy told him, we never made a Red Rider with the compass and the sundial. And he said, oh, yes, you did. Yes. I remember it. And, and if you're smart, you'll make them. And so they were smart, and they made them. And luckily, the, uh, the stamp for the... For the sundial was being used as a uh, paperweight on somebody's desk. They still had the thing, so they could make these up for Christmas. That's Hollywood for you. Yeah. <laughs> I had one, not the, the, the red yep. rider, not the. Well, we got my grandson a, a, a BB gun for what Christmas, and yes, he indeed shot his eye out. <laughs> or tried. Oh, no. no, no, he didn't do that. It, it looks great in the night. It, it ricocheted and. Uh, he looks, know, like, it, he, look, he looks like uh, Rooster Carp. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Jason, thank you so much for joining us, man. What a great hour. Hey, thanks we're, for having we're going to have you back anytime. Like uh, Absolutely. Talk firearms. I mean, whatever the whatever the case may be. 78, yep. 79, 80 J.M. Davis Gun Museum. Thank you for joining us, folks. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.